this costs you and your fellow Americans at least $60 billion a year. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Drinking Out of Cups. Are you guys excited? I'm yep, pretty stoked. We're here. Okay, well, uh, yeah, I'm your host, Raven, and uh, I'm here with my co-hosts. I'm here with Micah and Ryan. Micah, you want to say hi? Hello, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. This is the first episode. Oh, hey there, mateys. Pirate Ryan. Pirate Ryan. There we go. Coming out of the fucking Sea of Thieves episode. Okay. Uh, <laughs> true. true, um, true. Yeah. So this is uh, our new podcast where we're going to be talking everything about drugs and everything drug related. And, um, you know, it's not going to be, um, we're not going to try to sell you drugs. You know, we're not going to try to influence you to do drugs. It's just going to be all information that you might need to know about um, getting learned, I guess. About, yep. about drugs and drug culture and science. So for legal purposes, this is completely educational. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yes. It's a very <laughs> long-winded uh, way of saying that. I'm blinding um, you with science. What? <laughs> <laughs> you never heard that song? <laughs> no, no. All right, all right, I'll be quiet, sorry. <laughs> um, all right, yeah, so today we're uh, going to be discussing psilocybe cubenzies, otherwise known as magic mushrooms, or you may know them as boomers, or someone might have said fungi at some point. I doubt it, because who, who would call them fungi? And also, <laughs> just so you know, the cubenzies are just one of the very many different strains of psilocybin-containing mushrooms. Right, and today we're pretty much going to be just focusing on psilocybin mushrooms. We're not going to be talking about amanitas, amanita muscaria, which, um, do you know which chemical? It's bufotenine and muscamol, okay. which are oh, not psilocybin. Fuck with yeah. bufotenine, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, okay, well that sucks because we're not going to be talking about that today. Uh, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, we're focusing on psilocybin. Uh, just going to kind of do a little deep dive. So mushrooms, as we all know, or should probably know if you're listening to this podcast, they're those little tiny, uh, usually like brown looking, uh, they're just, they, I guess they kind of look like, um, uh, uh, what are those ones you buy from the store? Freaking, uh, I don't know. Baby I hate mushrooms. Yeah. Maybe like a portobello mushroom, but like way smaller. Um, true. They, you, you eat them. You eat them, you pop them in your mouth, and you, or you start. Can make a tea, or you can make a tea. tea. Uh, but what they essentially do is they make you hallucinate, and it's really fun, and it can be really fun. Um, True. But yeah, so that that's that's a mushroom, I guess. Yeah, I mean they're considered psychedelics, right? So they have like you know they they cause people to trip, and I think a lot of it is considered hallucinogenic. However. In a sense, I feel like a lot of what you hear when it comes to tripping is people's, you know, experiences, their personal growth and, and different things that they learned and whatnot. And so that's kind of some of the stuff that we're going to talk about is, you know, the, the different types of things that can happen um, when R people take these. Right. And like uh, and kind of like even the things that people might lie about. Um, totally. Things like. Uh, some people say you could like overdose on mushrooms and like, 
Even just take Mike Tyson for an example. Like that dude eats like handfuls of uh, mushrooms at a time. He'll like be on a podcast and just like down an ounce of mushrooms. And, and he like, says he does it every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, it's is. wild how many mushrooms that dude eats. Like he, like and then everyone around him is just like, whoa, dude, what the fuck? And then he's just like eating an eighth at a time. It's like, yeah, that's and enough to like make some. Sorry, go. What were you gonna say, Ryan? Oh, I was gonna say that like an eighth is like way more than enough to make someone like. Fry like very hard. I, I I hate using the word fry. Uh, just you know, make someone like hallucinate and like trip like very intensely. Like the first time I did mushrooms, I took like one point eight grams and like I was fucked up. And uh, yeah, so for him to just eat an eighth like casually on a podcast, like that's nuts. Like that his tolerance must but it's, be so high. Exactly, and I think that's something that we should also touch on is that something like that is kind of silly because mushrooms build a tolerance pretty much within hours of ingesting them. So you, by taking them the next day or even multiple days in a row, th- th- no effects are going to be even had. So it's kind of ridiculous. And, um, you know, in a way it almost looks like he would be abusing them in an addictive fashion. And right. yeah, they're totally. not addictive due to that tolerance situation. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, and it's also the just government wouldn't have you think that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, fuck <laughs> Nixon. Mike Tyson. Nixon. Yeah, Mike Tyson's ruining it for all of us by looking like he's addicted to mushrooms. <laughs> oh, dude. Iron Mike. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Um, another one I've heard is that uh, of people getting like permafried. And uh, yeah, that's like simply not true. You cannot get permafried from doing mushrooms. You can have residual effects for lasting time. Like it, it, with any with any substance, like you could have a hangover from alcohol. Like people aren't going to call that perma. <laughs> like yeah, sick drunk. From drinking yeah <laughs> but the thing is i think a lot of what people are referencing is this kind of this thing called like hppd or hallucinogenic persisting um persistence something disorder uh there's two p's in there uh but anyway it it usually re- refers to effects that people have like residual effects maybe visual effects or mental effects months maybe even years after they've taken the psychedelic and usually it happens based on a on a terrifying experience like a traumatic experience so in a way it's almost like a form of uh ptsd and it could definitely be looked at by other people as a a permanent you know change in someone's personality right Um, no which like that's like like if you've ever been in like a near car accident like if you've almost like rear-ended someone going like 60 then for the next like week of driving, you're literally gonna feel like you're gonna rear end every single car you pull up to. I'm speaking out of personal experience. <laughs> Strictly <laughs> theoretical. Strictly, <laughs> yeah. Strictly. No, yeah, yeah totally. I, no, because I've no. Oh, sorry. Right. What were you gonna say? I interrupted you. Thing. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, no. It's it's just your brain holds on to those things. It is like a form of PTSD. So if you have a bad trip or something, like you're you're gonna hold on to that. It's, it's not getting permafried. It's just uh, it it's uh, it's not the drug's fault. It's yeah, your and brain's fault. I think no, even yeah, another yeah. misconception, like in the community of people who use psychedelics, is that these can never cause a bad trip. I hear it all the time. People saying, "Oh, there's no such thing as a bad trip. It was just difficult." And honestly, that's not true. Yeah, People have wrong. terrible experiences on these things. And I, yeah. I think that they should be taken very seriously. Yeah, yeah and especially I've had like experiences. Yeah, and especially had, like, if you amazing already. Sorry. If you already uh, like struggle with like mental illness and stuff, and you take mushrooms, like it's very possible you're gonna have a very very bad time or, or a very good time. schizophrenia. 
Yeah, and yeah. It, it, especially like because schizophrenia is weird. Like a lot of people become schizophrenic into their twenties, and like maybe them taking mushrooms or even smoking weed for the first time can like pretty much inhibit or not inhibit. It can like cause that schizophrenia to essentially start before like when it wasn't going to start maybe for a year or two more you like if you're going to be schizophrenic you're going to be schizophrenic but drugs can like make it happen like make it start yeah very strange yeah especially psychedelics yeah yeah definitely. very strange the way that happens um and then lastly just for like urban legends and myths i i've heard over time is just that um people thinking microdosing is actually tripping like I heard someone the other day being like, don't microdose and go into work. Why would you want to trip while you're at work? It's simply like if you're microdosing, you're not taking an amount that you're actually going to be hallucinating or having like a psychedelic experience. Microdosing is supposed to be such a small amount that it's almost unnoticeable. And I've heard a lot of people be like, I don't understand microdosing, how you could go to work tripping on acid or eating mushrooms. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And uh, Well, it's most, most of the people that have not taken psychedelics are the people that are saying that because they just don't understand how yeah. that works. But that's what our podcast is for, is people exactly. who don't understand. People who don't, maybe haven't done uh, what we're talking about, whatever chemical we're talking about. Or maybe people who are just misinformed or... Uh, uneducated uh, on the certain subjects yeah no exactly like i've even been talking to my mom lately about like like microdosing and stuff because like in, like historically my parents have not been very fond of you know drugs and psychedelics and stuff like that and then for them to find out that like you know i microdose sometimes and stuff that it's like and they're like whoa sometimes like, yeah, <laughs> sometimes not occasionally not while i'm on the job <laughs> not right now <laughs> uh no and then you know and then it's just like you know it's it's a, it's a mood enhancer or like an yeah anti it, antidepressant basically well and that's actually that's perfect to talk about then because weirdly enough there's been a study that just came out this year actually that showed that microdosing psilocybin does not actually reduce symptoms of depression or anxiety and this was a placebo controlled study wow um, oh, so it's the first of its yeah, it's the first of its time and it kind of, you know, it's caused a lot of people to be, you know, bummed. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with placebo being one hell of a drug, right? Yeah, not at oh, all. For sure. Whatever so, works. <laughs> I honestly think personally that taking sub-perceptual doses of a psychedelic for any kind of depression or self-growth type stuff is just kind of silly because I honestly think that it's the experience, you know, that deems a therapeutic benefit you know it it comes down to what you experience through it so right i don't think yeah. microdosing you know personally is something that i've ever you know liked doing however taking small doses that you still kind of notice is something that i think is very beneficial for some people yeah i would say yeah. i definitely uh when i when i do microdose uh i might Take a little bit more than uh, an average microdose. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a middle dose, a middle middle micro in between macro. Yeah, it's a functional, yeah. <laughs> barely yeah. a functional. A millidose. Yeah. A millidose. <laughs> a milli, yeah. a milli, a milli. <laughs> okay, and I, so so before we get into uh, uh, talking further into uh, uh, mushrooms and stuff. Uh, I want to just kind of go over the legality. We're going to do this in every episode. We're going to just talk quickly about the legality, just so you know, like maybe in your state, if this is even something that you should 
try to acquire if it's legal then or if it's illegal obviously don't or just don't tell anyone you're doing it uh, <laughs> or, or you know just to be safe you know you don't want to get in legal trouble so just quickly i just want to say that federally the mu- mushrooms psilocybin itself like psilocybin out of mushrooms is federally still illegal. It is a schedule one substance, um, meaning that it has high potential for abuse and no current accepted medical use in treatment in the United States in, which is funny because it is currently being used in treatment in the United States, but the DEA doesn't want to change their website, I guess. Um, and that was sourced from the DEA.org. But um, yeah, state law, though, specifically, there's only a few states where you can actually use psilocybin. Um, So in Oregon and Washington, D.C., they've become the first to decriminalize psilocybin, which is cool. So that means if you get caught, you don't go to jail. Um, I think you can actually you can choose in Oregon, at least that's where we're located. Um, You can choose between a hundred dollar fine or mental health treatment if you get caught, which is super nice instead of getting a fat fine or potentially going to jail, which you used to. And there's still people with felonies for mushrooms. And now you just get slapped with a hundred dollar fine, which is fucking hilarious. Uh, well, not <laughs> hilarious. That's, it's really sad. Um, I mean, it's, it's actually awesome truly fucked up <laughs> with, <laughs> yeah. with our stuff though, uh, like in Oregon, it's pretty great. I think that we're trying to kind of do a little bit of like what Portugal and other Right. countries have done already and seen really great benefits from. And I think the idea of decriminalizing drug usage to reduce, you know, disease and, um, you know, just addictions and stuff like that, uh, is, is good. I mean, it's worked in other countries, so. Yeah. And, yeah. and still there's no States where it's like legal. You can't just go buy mushrooms still in the United States. I don't think maybe Washington DC, can't you buy like chocolates maybe or something? No, I think that those are just getting, I mean, these chocolate bars with like labels on them and everything are just being like sold at such a high rate that they can't (laughs) like, I don't think you buy them in like a head shop or store, you know, or anything like that. But I think you can order them online and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I think, yeah, it's something like that. And like Oakland and Denver are like cities where they've decriminalized, um, like Oakland has decriminalized like all plant psychedelics and cacti psychedelics. Interesting. Um, and fungi, I guess. So then. Yeah, and then on the on the flip side of that, you have uh, states like Alabama where you can get sentenced up to five years just for uh, possession and 20 years for selling mushrooms. Could you imagine Christ. getting 20 years for selling mushrooms? These things that literally grow out of the earth yeah. everywhere. Dude, that's yeah. so fucked. <laughs> wow. And not out of cow Fuck shit, Alabama. by the way. That's, a, well, that's, another, that's well, not a complete myth. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but that's not typically where you'd find them. Right. Dude, my grandma owns a ranch where I've found different. psilocybin mushrooms growing out of cow shit and have eaten them. Yeah, it's just different species of mushrooms grow in different mediums better. And yeah. I'm pretty sure cubensis grow pretty well in cow shit. Oh, trust yeah, me. Yeah, I was I thinking do. like the azorescence and stuff that you'd find in Astoria. Yeah, there's a lot of mushrooms that are actually native to our area right here in the Columbia Gorge. Um, and they're they're actually some of the strongest psilocybin-containing mushrooms right. known fuck to yeah. date. So That's cool yeah. as fuck. Yeah, and we won't spend 20 years in prison if we get caught with them. Uh, <laughs> we won't spend a single day. Yeah, people sure. mushroom hunt like crazy out here. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, Paul we Stamets went out- lives up in the like, Astoria area. Yeah, we went out to Astoria like um, this last like season, and I didn't find anything, but I, my friends found 
quite a bit of mushrooms and you know it's fun just going out there and looking at the ground staring at the ground for a couple hours <laughs> yeah True. um anyway let's let's get into some history about mushrooms it's, it's kind of hard to like talk about the history of mushrooms it being literally just a uh, a plant that's been growing on earth since well before humans have been here um but some of the earliest uh uses of psilocybin can date back over to 5,000 to 9,000 BC, which is insane. Because when you think about like humans, that's like cave people. Like, like they were, they're just like, could you imagine being a caveman just tripping balls on mushrooms? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, everything's trying to attack you. And you're, you're just like eating this mushroom off the ground. And then your reality, reality just completely changes. Um, yeah, dude, would that would be fucked. That- I'd say that a lot of our religions probably started from weird psychedelic trips. Yeah. Just people that thought that they discovered something amazing about, you know, the unknown. Right. Yeah. There's <laughs> oh, a totally. lot of no, I like to. I like to think that imagery. cavemen invented fire like using psychedelics. Because that was <laughs> just kind of funny to think about it. Yeah. It's just like, whoa, fire. <laughs> yeah, right. Whoa, just fucking tripping balls dude yeah and there's a lot of like amanita um imagery in um in like christian and uh catholic literature and stuff like old paintings there's always like amanita imagery it's weird we said we weren't gonna talk about those <laughs> okay, okay sorry okay we're not, gonna, we're not <laughs> yeah, just i'm just kidding. saying mush magic mushroom yeah. like okay yeah anyway um yeah but in like 9000 bc in north africa they found these cave paintings in the upper uh, Tassili plateau, uh, plateau of North, North Algeria, um, where it's like this guy standing there and like has a bunch of mushrooms growing on the outside of his body. It's a really cool cave painting. Um, there's a, there's a modern interpretation of it by John speaker. That's really awesome. If, uh, anyone wants to look that up. Uh, so that's like some of the earliest, like known, they think that was probably like, like, oh, supposed to be psilocybe mushrooms and like a cave painting depicting that like his trip or whatever um other than that other than that if you go over to south america around a thousand bc the aztecs were um using mushrooms which they called the flesh of the gods in ceremonies and stuff and uh in shamanistic rituals, and I, I don't know if they were, like, cutting people's heads off while high on mushrooms, because that's, like, what the Aztecs were known for, is, like, cutting people's heads off and, like, kicking them down those steps, <laughs> which is pretty badass, but could you imagine they were on mushrooms while savage. doing that? <laughs> that's probably what made them do it. They were probably, like, high on mushrooms and, uh... Damn, just, dude. That's, they're like, I wonder uh, what happens free. when I go... Science. that's so fucked up (laughs) just playing soccer with someone's head down and fucking some steps after eating mushrooms dude (laughs) that's so fucked (laughs) yeah um but yeah they've been used in south america for like as long as civilization has been around it seems like uh the the spanish when they came over over to mesoamerica and like started trolling around um trying to uh inquisit or whatever they uh they found the shamans and stuff and like that were doing the mushroom ceremonies and they started partaking in them and when they went back to spain and talked about like how fun it was to like trip out with all the natives 
uh, the the Catholic Church was not too stoked, and because they they uh, they knew that they would like call their bluff about religion, and um, yeah, no, they they put an end to that. They uh, they claimed that taking magic mushrooms was heresy and not allowed within the Catholic Church. So yeah, they were against fun then, and they're against fun now. Damn, um, I don't even oh. think it's just fun. They were against like the idea of other gods and opening your mind i think they they were scared people were going to start thinking for themselves uh they called it pagan idolatry so yeah i mean if that's pagan idolatry call me a pagan man you don't want that i'm about it (laughs) (laughs) you don't want none of that smoke (laughs) (laughs) yeah right no that's Um, actually really fucked up fuck uh yeah fuck that dude uh i uh i i stand on uh the record i i don't know what i'm trying to say i Put on the record that I don't fuck with Catholicism. Wow, Catholicism? That's, that's a hot Catholicism. Yeah, that's a hot I take. I don't know. Catholicism. Is that, <laughs> is Catholicism? Is that what I said? Catholicism? I don't yeah, fuck Catholic. with those guys either, dude. <laughs> fuck a Catholic, dude. I don't think I'd fuck with you either. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Good, and man. Then- I hope not. <laughs> Only when I was a small child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, fuck. Uh, uh, all right. Anyway. That. Uh, so... For centuries, because, you know, the Catholic Church is pretty big. So when they got pissed off about it, that, that led the, the, uh, the natives in the, in the areas to kind of go more underground a little bit in their, um, in their use of mushrooms within their uh, ceremonies. For, so for centuries, like, there's not – I mean, you could find information, but it's pretty much just like, yeah, they took mushrooms for healing. Like, that's, that's pretty much all they did, you know? Well, not all they did, obviously – <laughs> but that's that's where they used the mushrooms, but was uh, within their ceremony. But right. centuries later, if we want to talk about Maria Sabina, um, she was a key role in introducing mushrooms to the Western people, like Western society in modern times. Uh, she was alive from 1894 to 1985. She was from Houtla de Jimenez in South of Mexico. Uh, she was a healer who performed ceremonies using psilocybe. I do know how to pronounce ceruliescens, I think. Ceruliescens. So, you know, just, just good old, good old mush, you know? Do you feel me? Uh, <laughs> anyway, <them> she, <laughs> she, uh, she essentially was just a healer in Mexico. And um, in, uh, in 1955, an eth no, my college, Micah, you're on the fucking science pronunciations, dude. Yeah, I can't, I yeah. That's no, my Robert Watson and his wife uh, Valentina. They they came and visited uh, Maria Sabina's home, and then um, yeah, yeah. This guy Gordon Watson participated in a ceremony with her, um, and then I think they brought that the, uh, the the mushrooms that they had used or spores of them or something like that back to um, back the to states. Paris. Oh, they to, brought it back to, to Paris. Paris. Yeah, I where, it was the states. No, nah, they brought it back to Paris, and um, that's where they they uh, cultivated it. They or the, the, in Europe, they cultivated cultivated psilocybin in a lab. It was isolated or whatever, and uh, by Swiss chemist Albert Hoffman, who is a huge character in the drug world. <laughs> oh yeah, how come? <laughs> he's uh yeah you know he's a science nerd he did science nerd stuff micah he sure did <laughs> as some of you may know albert hoffman was the guy who discovered uh lsd right from the ergot fungus and so um 
interestingly enough, some people don't really know about the history of his influence with psilocybin, but he was the one who isolated it in his lab. Um, and then I think what had happened, if I remember correctly, he sent it back with Gordon Wasson yeah. to go down to Mexico and bring it to Maria Sabina right. and have her try it. Uh, because she believed that, you know, the substance within this mushroom was actually a god, right? right? So, like, when you ate it, it was the flesh of the gods. And so they had her try it, and she did, and she was, I'm pretty sure, very surprised. Um, right. And a little taken aback. And and that's not all that happened to Maria Sabina. When the word got out about Albert Hoffman uh, synthesizing it or whatever, um, they they... The, the word traveled to Western America, which is very close to Mexico. I don't know if you know that. Um, and a bunch of Americans started traveling down to Mexico and looking for Maria because they wanted to trip and have like a ceremony with her, which led to the local police in her area believing she was a drug dealer. And uh, she got ostracized from her society. She got ostracized from her like her community and her house burnt down. They burned her house down. Yikes. And uh, so not a happy ending with Maria Sabina. Yeah, because didn't didn't someone's trip get documented in High Times? Yeah. The first ever edition. Right. High Times. So, you know, Um, all the hippies were excited. Very interesting. Uh, Gordon Wasson, the reason he was in South America meeting with uh, Maria Sabina, he was actually funded by the CIA as part of the MKUltra project to be down there. So maybe a larger conspiracy here at play. Ooh, let's <laughs> remind everybody what MK Ultra is. It's actually not a conspiracy anymore. And no, it, it is not a conspiracy. Um, well, I mean, technically it is conspiracy, not a conspiracy theory. But mm, yeah, um, it was a mind control project by the U.S. government put on by the CIA. So it's pretty weird that they were down there looking for uh, ways to control people's minds through psychedelics. And that's also leads into the LSD thing. But we will talk about that. LSD episode. Shout out Ken Kesey. Yeah, shout out Ken Kesey. Shout out um, Albert Hoffman. Yeah, shout out Albert Hoffman. Where did Ken Kesey get involved in this situation? Well, because he was Uh, he was a part of uh, the MK (laughs) Ultra MK Ultra. uh, test. Yeah, that's how like he got into LSD. That's how he was introduced. Uh, Anyways, we can talk about this another (laughs) time. But that's how he was introduced to LSD in the future. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, so you know she was a key role in introducing the Western cultures to um, to psilocybin, um, although unfortunate what happened to her. Uh, anyway, if you want to know more about her life, you can check out the book Sacred Mushroom Rituals, The Search for the Blood of Quetzalcoatl by Tom Lane. So, um, yeah, if you're, fast, if you're interested in learning more about her, I would and suggest I believe- checking that book out. I believe there's a Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia episode as well about going down to uh, her house and meeting the uh, people that live around that area and relatively, right. yeah, I believe, and I think- of, like, of, of hers. Uh, and anyways, there's a whole episode on it, on Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia right. on Hulu. Terrence McKenna and Dennis McKenna also went down there and wrote a book about it. Oh, I'm not cool. sure of the name, but... I didn't we, know that, actually. A lot about it. That's cool yeah. as fuck. I had no idea. I guess that moves into modern time where we are today, where now psilocybin is being used to treat things like anxiety and depression, even though we learned at the beginning of this episode through Micah that it does not actually work. 
Well, no, no. He said uh, that that study was about microdosing. Gotcha. Okay. No, we'll talk a lot about, I think, how psilocybin could be. As a depressed person myself, it does help. Uh, As a depressed person myself. (laughs) So so, um, right now, psilocybin, it's really cool. It's being used for anxiety, depression, and things like alcohol use disorder, um, which seems like like it's kind of out of the blue with things like uh, depression and anxiety, you'd think, why alcohol abuse disorder, you know? But as someone who has been using mushrooms to not drink alcohol for almost 100 days now, I would say it works. Yeah, well, I mean, interestingly, <laughs> yeah. too, like back in the, the 60s when they were doing a lot of psychedelic research and psychedelic therapy, they were um, looking at, the, I think, mostly just LSD for... Um, Alcohol use disorder, but also psilocybin for things like nicotine use disorder. And, um, right. you know, the, there's a whole thing that we'll talk about in our LSD episode about the guy who started Alcoholics Anonymous and his experience yep. with taking psychedelics in yeah. that setting. That. So. Yep. Yeah, I think, I think the thing with like, uh, it's like psilocybin versus LSD when it comes to like alcohol use is it's just LSD is a little too gnarly and a little too like... You don't really want to microdose it every day because sometimes you just get that little bit too much and it might just fuck up your day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can attest to this. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's facts. And, uh, facts. With, with mushrooms, you could just pick off a little bit and usually you're going to be fine. Um, and they're just shorter in duration. Yeah, yeah it's only like, like a three-hour thing versus a fucking whole... Like it, it only fucks up right. a quarter of your day versus your entire day. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it, it's it's really cool that uh, right now they're doing all these tests and uh, research to treat things like alcohol use disorder, depression, anxiety, because in modern times, it seems abundant in everybody. Those three things, the trifecta of modern culture. <laughs> um, so, you know, hopefully, hopefully uh, with the development, everyone will be on mushrooms someday. Um, I hope so. <laughs> and it's really cool because it's a natural medicine option when a lot of people don't want to get on like pharmaceuticals. Um, it just doesn't seem like the right option for a lot of people. So just taking something that's fresh out of the ground that could potentially like help save your life if it gets you out of depression. It's it's a really cool non-pharmaceutical option. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. amazing. One of right? my yeah. favorite... Uh, Favorite pastimes. Things, it's one of the my true favorite, American pastimes. One of my favorite things that grow out of the earth. <laughs> tier one patriot. <laughs> yeah, tier one patriot, dude. I, I'm only a tier two, uh, tier two patriot, but uh, or tier two operative. Oper- uh, yeah, everyone's gonna team, understand this five. inside joke. Uh, I'm, I'm more, I'm more to SEAL Team Five, you know. Uh, yeah, whereas Micah, Micah's, Micah's tier, SEAL Team Micah's a tier one patriot. SEAL Team Six. Fucking certified A plus. Well, speaking guy. of Micah being a tier one patriot, uh, he's a tier one scientist as well. Uh, one thing to know about Micah is that he is an actual scientist, not just a Wikipedia scientist like me. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were a scientist for Q. For Q, yeah, for Q. Is- <laughs> Wait, I thought you were a scientist for D's. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, so um, so you know we've covered a little bit of the history, a little 
broad scope of the the history of mushrooms and what they're being used for now. Um, Micah, if you want to talk to us a little bit about like the science maybe behind like the use of psilocybin, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I feel like we should probably tell people what psilocybin is because we've been just dropping this weird word and not really. I feel like everybody does. It. Everyone's just like psilocybin, man. It's so cool. Yeah. No one knows what the hell it is. Yeah, they have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trip. Yeah. Um, like it's like CBD. People are just like, oh, CBD is so great. Yeah, it's like, no. what the fuck is CBD? Right? <laughs> True. Exactly. Yeah, so this is point. why we have Mike on the show. He's our resident scientist to talk through us about the things that we may or may not understand. Yeah. Chief scientist. Um, that's the thing, like the the psilocybin mushrooms are considered kind of like classical uh, psychedelics, and the reason they're considered you know classical is that they have been some of the first for modern you know usage uh, psychedelics. Like they've been some of the first drugs to be discovered that have these effects, and so um, with that, the type of effects that are going on are oops. Um, Mostly because of serotonin. And interestingly enough, uh, the structure of psilocybin and psilocin, which I'll talk a little bit about, is uh, very similar to serotonin, the same structure. Um, And so when somebody ingests psilocybin containing mushrooms, either either through like a tea or chocolates or maybe capsules, it actually, psilocybin gets broken down in the gut into psilocin. And psilocin is the psychoactive chemical that's causing the effects that we see. And interestingly, um, with psilocin, psilocin is actually 4-PO-DMT. So some people might not know that the structure of DMT is actually super similar to the structure of psilocin. And because these structures are similar to serotonin as well, when ingested and once into the bloodstream, they attach to serotonin receptors, and particularly this receptor site that we, that we see psychedelics attaching to is this 2A. It seems like every psychedelic kind of attaches to this serotonin 2A receptor, and they hang out on the receptor, and in a sense, the amount of time that they hang out just clamped onto this receptor doing their job ends up being what or how much time the drug lasts, and so... Mushrooms last typically four to eight hours when people take them orally. Um, And then after that time, the drug leaves the body. Usually people pee it out. And weirdly enough, there's a tolerance that gets built. We kind of talked about that earlier, how like uh, if you were to try to take the same dose of mushrooms a day afterward or even after they were done, like eight hours later, they pretty much won't work. So is that like just like a serotonin like blockage? Are you or, or like you're essentially like blocking your receptor? Yeah, in a sense, yeah. Because oh, it sits there and it, it hangs out, and it's pretty much stimulating the receptor. Yeah, it, it binds to the receptor, and, and it binds because of its structure. The the fact that it looks so similar to the serotonin receptor is it comes in and just hangs out. Which is there. which is interesting because like people only correlate serotonin with like especially with all the memes just like oh I just need like that little bit of serotonin or dopamine because they only like register those two things with like happiness or joy but it's mm-hmm. weird that all psychedelics right attack the serotonin uh, receptor and it makes you hallucinate yeah yeah and interestingly enough they think that the scientists think that the psychedelic effects are mainly because of this action at the serotonin receptor and hmm. 
part of that could be why they are being used in, uh, you know, treating depression and treating anxiety and things like that. Because as a lot of us now know that serotonin is kind of the key role and, um, you know, why some people might have depression or whatnot. But yeah. weirdly enough, like psilocybin itself has been starting to, you know, th- there's been studies that have shown that it has like anti-inflammatory responses and, um, you know, it can do a, a wide number of things compared to just reducing someone's depression. Um, well, doesn't it also increase neurogenesis? It does. Yeah. It increases. So neurogenesis, we should probably, you know, describe a little yeah, bit. I have no idea yeah. what that is. Yeah, I'll let so you it's describe just, that. Yeah, the first, you know, the word neuro, it just relates, it refers to neurons, the uh, cells that are in our central nervous system that have electricity and they're um, considered, you know, like a a brain cell, right? But technically we have neurons throughout our whole body. Um, And then genesis is just like generating, right? So building more and and creating more. And so there's been studies from, I think it was um, Dr. Carhart Harris in London to show that um, he originated the very first Carhartt, right? Yeah, the yeah, the pants and those jackets. <laughs> yeah, that guy's a badass. He's a legend, Mr. Yeah, OG of Western I, pop culture. <laughs> yeah, but one of the coolest Fashion things icon, is that he's been doing some amazing, like, brain imaging studies and having people take psilocybin and then um, go into these things called functional MRIs, which pretty much just shows like uh, oxygen and, uh, or I think it's you know, glucose consumption throughout the brain. Um, so you can see almost like a map of where a drug might be activating different brain regions. And one of the coolest things that they did show was that, uh, and this kind of goes into the whole uh, neurogenesis thing, is that psilocybin creates a ton of connections in the brain compared to just a placebo drug. Um, right. Just like millions of connections. And what these connections are referring to is these little gaps in between neurons and neurons. The fifth dimension. Exactly. <laughs> neurons communicate through these little gaps. What some people some people are uh, familiar with the word neurotransmitters, which technically right. serotonin is one of these neurotransmitters. And so neurons, these little cells, they're communicating with each other through things like serotonin and. These little gaps are called synapses, and this is where neurons meet, and they start communicating with each other through these chemicals like serotonin or dopamine and whatnot. And anyway, one of the things that they've been showing both in test tubes but also in humans is that psilocybin can induce at a very substantial rate neurogenesis and synaptogenesis, which pretty much just means it's able to create new brain cells, but also new connections between these cells. Um, and that could be really, really beneficial for things like uh, neurodegenerative conditions like Alzheimer's, where the cells in the brain are just dying off. And these connections, these synapses are dying off. Um, and so, you know, it's possible that people, when they're saying that they're microdosing, they are experiencing some kind of cognitive enhancement. And that could be from this neurogenesis or synaptogenesis aspect. Um, That's cool so, fuck. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've heard Paul Stamets on a on a podcast talk about uh, a I don't know if it, was, if it was a colleague or a friend of his, uh, but he was like you know an elderly person and was like starting to lose his hearing and uh, was just microdosing. Uh, or I don't know if he was actually microdosing or if he was like you know millidosing or whatever whatever term we want to call it. Uh, he was <laughs> he was taking some amount of psilocybin mushrooms and uh he was and was sitting on his porch one day and was just hearing this like tick 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 thing like by his ear and he was like what the fuck is that and then like after a couple days of that 
he finally realized that there were ants crawling on the windowsill behind his head and he was hearing them walking, which wow. this dude was losing his hearing. And I don't, I'm obviously it's not like a, a scientific, uh, you know, test or yeah. whatever, but like he <clears throat> yeah, thinks that, that it was the psilocybin that, you know, <laughs> brought his hearing back, which is crazy. Like it's just so interesting to, you know, yeah. to hear a, a story about actual, you know, neurogenesis. And I've also read online not to uh, fucking segue your whole thing, Micah. Uh, but I've, uh, I've, I've read like some stuff about, uh, people using psilocybin for, uh, like brain injuries and stuff like that into like, help uh you know bring people back from like serious brain injuries yeah i mean that's the thing is that this this in a sense could be a plant compound a therapeutic that could be used in tons of different uh, you know treat like treating tons of different conditions right because all sorts of things may have uh you know a depression aspect to them or a, a cell death aspect to them that these could be helpful for right yeah which is fucking yeah. cool as shit. So it is beyond just tripping out. It is actually literally helping your brain every single time you take mushrooms. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, the, and they think that a lot of, I mean, the things that, that's been really cool that they've seen in some, some of the studies where they've been giving people psilocybin is that, you know, there's long lasting changes and, uh, you know, they're following up with these people after, months after they've taken a dose and been through maybe a therapy session, right? And, you know, asking them and seeing if they're still feeling depressed or still feeling um, anxious, right? And so uh, what we've seen in the data so far in the literature is that it looks like psilocybin um, is able, is effective in treating things like major depressive, major depressive disorder, as well as like treatment resistant depressive disorder. Interesting. Um, and so it could be, it could be really helpful. And one of the cool studies that Anthony Bossis was doing at NYU was looking at how it could be, it could end or it could kind of mitigate and, and reduce, um, end of life anxiety in cancer patients. Um, and I could definitely see that. Yeah. And, and why, why could you see that? Is it because of the, it's because you, you eat them and you come to the terms. Like it really is like a anti-anxiety thing. Like I think the last time, like I had really bad anxiety is right after my pet died. And like, I, I took some mushrooms and I laid there and just was like fine with it for once. Like, just like, just finally didn't feel like anxiety. It just kind of like sweeps your like emotional palate. It's so weird. It just like, it It kind of levels you out. And, like, you don't feel necessarily happy, but you don't feel sad. You just feel, like, content. It's the weirdest experience ever. But why might that be? I think a lot of what we should start to touch on is just, like, what happens at high doses and right. this whole ego death aspect that some people that's might exactly, be familiar exactly with. That's what I was about but, to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, so then let's talk we'll talk about it, Ryan. Like, Yeah, I, I mean, dude, yeah, that's what I was... I mean, that's all I was really going to, like, just add in was just, like, the whole... The thing of why people come to terms with their death is the whole ego death experience, which is essentially the feeling of, I mean, for me, from personal experiences and stuff is the ego death experience is like thinking of like, okay, like, obviously this drug is not going to kill me or whatever, like psilocybin obviously isn't going to kill you, but you go through this thing at when it first starts to really kick in to where you're like, oh, like if I die, like. I'm kind of just okay with that. Like I just, I'm surrendering myself to whatever this is. And the whole thing of why like people say it's so therapeutic, like even months and months after taking like a dose is because they think, they think back on these experiences. And so it's not just the initial 
dose and the initial therapeutic experience that they get, it's months and months of them recalling this experience and thinking yeah. about it and, you know, reflecting on that experience. And, right. Uh, and I, I just really want to, cool. I, I want to clarify, like, uh, it's not the same like feeling you get on like weed when you're like, holy shit, I'm going to die. I'm going to overdose on weed and die. Right. Exactly. Like, anyone who's smoked too much weed has felt that. It's right. it's a completely different feeling of like because on weed you're not content like I've never met someone who's like oh my god I got so high like and I just was like content with it it's usually like dude I thought I was gonna fucking die yeah, <laughs> like been there <laughs> uh, it's a it's yeah it's a completely different experience where you're just like if I were to like go right now like I'm fine like it's so weird well and I think that we should I mean that's the thing though is that there's like different levels to that where at one point I think what ego death really refers to is the actual like loss of the sense of self like you you do not have identity anymore and right before that feels like you're dying it feels as if you completely have lost everything and your life might flash before your eyes and you know interestingly there's been reports that all those near-death experiences that people have from you know heart attacks or different stuff like that uh line up pretty well almost like similar to the experiences that people have when they you know have an ego death uh you know trip with psychedelics and mind you this doesn't typically happen to the average psychedelic user recreational user it's something that you know uh you have to take a pretty high dose for and potentially be in the right set and setting which i think we right. should right touch yeah. on which is well I that's also- why they oh let me let me let me chime in really quick sorry <laughs> uh it's like the whole like five grams in a dark room thing is like yeah. that's like enough to for sure get you there every single time and yeah being i was gonna in, say in the you're not gonna room, reach it off an eighth no no like the five grams is gonna get you there every you know obviously if you don't have a tolerance and stuff it's like it's gonna get you there and being in a dark room or having a blindfold on or whatever takes away your your sight and stuff. And so it really allows you to, like, dive into this whole experience of ego death. Yeah, and I think between the three of us, we've all agreed that our favorite way of ingesting any kind of psychedelic is in a room with the, like, lights off, listening to music. Like, and yeah. just, like, it's literally the... I don't necessarily... Except for mushrooms, I do like being outside and, like like mostly in the woods and stuff and just like walking around or just like at a lake or something. But for the most part, the most enjoyable way of taking psychedelics is almost like, uh, in a, in a dark controlled environment with like very low music. Cause it's just, it's the most therapeutic. It'll make your mind wander into like the weirdest places. And then like a lot of the time it does bring up shit that you don't want to deal with maybe on your own like sober if you have like anxiety or other kind of like mental shit you're going through and then you'll really just go way too far into it but then you'll come out feeling fine you're not going to come out of it feeling like gross the way you maybe would if you were just thinking about it sober it's weird that's why i think that there's such a huge personal growth aspect to it is that you really get to see your life and the, the things that you've done and the things that you're doing currently in like a helicopter view you know, yep. you get to look at all of the stuff that's going on in many different perspectives all in one, you know, session or one night or whatever. Yeah, I and think it, doing that sensory deprived or doing that at least as comfortable as possible is the best way to get, you know, 
to reap the benefits. Right. I think a huge emotion that mushrooms bring out in people is empathy too. So like you're a lot more empathetic even to yourself. So you'll like, even if you like have done some shit that maybe you're upset about, like maybe said something rude or you, you'll have like a lot more empathetic view towards even yourself, which maybe you can't do naturally, um, which is really helpful. Um, I know personally when I take mushrooms, it's like I've, it's empathy. Like I've never felt it with anything else. It's like, I just, you know, it just gives you so much of more understanding of other people and like less judgmental and less hard on yourself and others. It's, it's really a therapeutic experience. Oh um, yeah, totally. Yeah. The, and you the, can see why it, <clears throat> sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say the word, the word empathy just describes it very, very well. That's all I was really going to touch on. Yeah. I feel like that's part of why it's so beneficial for people, you know, with, um, with their addictions, right? It's because right. they're able to kind of love themselves and see their life in a different perspective and potentially a future self, right? Yeah. Um, get an idea of what life might be like if, you know, they overcome their problem. Because I know personally, yeah. if I'm like, if I'm drinking and I'm thinking about like my alcohol addiction or something, I'm going to just be like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. I'm going to just keep drinking. Fuck it. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm going to yeah. just like self-pity. Yeah, self-pity. Yeah. Yeah. Like... I'm just going to keep doing it. Fuck it. But it, like if I take mushrooms and then I think about my drinking, I'm like, wait, no, it, like I don't need to be a hard on myself. I could just stop and then like not be so like pitiful that I'm stopping. And it's like, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I, it definitely, I, I see in a million ways how it is uh, helpful therapeutically and like for things like anxiety and depression. Well, yeah, because it's infinitely helpful. The whole thing with like alcohol is when you're drinking, you're like, oh, like I fucking feel depressed or shitty or whatever. And you just continue to drink and just be in this routine scale of, you know, or this routine cycle of, of doing that. But when you, right. I've noticed whenever I, you know, with eat mushrooms or like any other really psychedelic, uh, that as yeah, a tryptamine, uh, I actually, I feel very, uh, I guess, like okay with just going into that whole thing and like just trying to like deep dive and be like okay well like why am i feeling this way rather than like of the just the continuous cycle of self-pity it's like well why am i feeling this way how do i get myself out of feeling this way and it, it's yeah it's easier to come to terms with that whereas like alcohol and stuff like that where it's like oh we're just gonna keep just pushing this down right and like yeah it is it's it's nice having that uh natural option too because it's like there, I can't think of any medication I've ever been on that makes you go so introspective and be able to like come to terms with your own problems without having to talk to someone. Like you're talking to yourself internally. There's no medication I've ever been on that's been anything like that. Like but that's what's yeah. fucking so cool about them is that, and I forgot to kind of mention it, is that like we've now seen with studies that psilocybin itself on its own is absolutely safe for the body, safer than caffeine and sugar. Um, right. You know, on a physiolog physiological level, it does nothing to the body but good. And even taken at high doses, you can't overdose. You cannot die taking psilocybin. And you might have a bad time. Like, a terrible if you, time, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to eat an ounce of mushrooms, you're not going to have a good time, but you're not going to die. Like, no, no, and it's worth mentioning that there's people out there that do take incredibly high doses. Right. Like it, some of the shamans in South America do eat an ounce of dried mushrooms. Right. We say dried because typically mushrooms, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a fungus that grows so incredibly fast that 
you have to dry it. In, yeah, if in someone order sells to you wet it. mushrooms, give them back. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Don't take wet mushrooms from no. anyone unless you've seen them growing them. I feel like yeah, wet. They're seriously. also harder to identify. Like harder. Yeah, incredibly yeah. hard to identify. And that's the, that's the other thing is that people, you know, should be really, really prepared before they go out trying to find these things. Yeah. And you know, if they're gonna try to find them growing in the wild it's right. there's many lookalikes that are poisonous and can kill people yeah i would advise if you're gonna try to forage then definitely go with someone who's experienced um don't just try to look something up on the internet and think that this one looks right i'm gonna eat it off the ground that's incredibly unsafe and i don't advise doing that i wouldn't even do that i it's wouldn't do it so yeah stupid. i mean there's even uh, foragers i, that I still have trained. never eaten Right, uh, I I have yeah, friends who sense. do it, and I won't even eat theirs that they pick off the ground. Yeah, so I, I yeah. still won't. I've been doing. I've been eating mushrooms since, well, for a long time. And <laughs> <laughs> I would never eat a mushroom that was picked from the ground, yeah. no matter who yeah. it was from. No, same. Uh, yeah, and there's even foragers that are like go that are like experienced at this, and they still sometimes like you know. There's been stories of people eating something that they thought was something else, and then getting extremely sick from it and almost dying, or actually right. dying. Yeah. Um, uh, which is crazy. It, yeah. So, um, I guess we could be like, we, I kind of want to talk about, so Ryan, you are in the biz, so they call it, right? Yeah, um, I guess so. I mean, showbiz. So, so you've met a lot of Hollywood. influential people. Hollywood. You've met influential people. You've been around star studded crews before. What can you say that you've noticed in like the Hollywood, maybe music entertainment industry? Like, have have you ever seen like mushrooms like influence any culture in that aspect? Like, like, do you could you speak on that at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm obviously, you know, not people that I've really, well, you know, it, it, just the openness of the psychedel of like psychedelics and stuff in the community of. I guess the industry uh, is, is, is very open. Like people are like fine talking about it. like no one's really ashamed of talking about it. Whereas like in like a business setting, it might be different. Um, right. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of bands and stuff and musicians and composers and people that are, you know, influenced by mushrooms and stuff. Um, and not necessarily anybody that I've met, but like just from doing research and hearing people talk on podcasts and stuff of uh, a lot of people that are, you know, actually very influenced by, by, you know, psychoactive mushrooms and non-psychoactive mushrooms. Uh, just, you know, the normal gourmet ediboles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, one of the, one of the, well, all right, I have to start here because anyone who knows me and is friends with me knows that I am yeah, obsessed with the Grateful Dead. Uh, oh, shout wait, out Grateful you Dead. Are? Uh, all right, this Michael, we're not friends. This is the first time I've ever... This is the okay. first time I've ever heard you mention that band. Uh, Randy and Micah, we're both not we're not friends now. <laughs> uh, uh, well, Micah was in the bathroom, but uh, oh, yeah. I, for some reason I <laughs> yeah, thought it was Micah that said that at first. Uh, no, sorry no. for the listeners at home, where I am in my apartment in Los Angeles, and they're whoa! At Raven's don't give house. away too many details. No, we're all sitting in a circle. We're all t- holding hands. All right, cut that part out. In Los Angeles, exactly. <laughs> we're, yeah, see, we're circled credibility. <laughs> we're that, about that adds to your credibility, Ryan. Is that you live in Los Angeles? Los Angeles. Uh, Los Angeles. I live in LA. California. I live in, I live in LA. I live in Louisiana, actually. Lying to you guys the whole time. Yeah. So, <laughs> Micah. Uh, so, Ryan was just going on about this new band he just discovered, uh, Grateful Dead. <laughs> oh yeah have you ever heard him talk about it i don't think no, I've ever i heard i him. uh you know i uh did yeah 
That was a pretty recent find for Ryan, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't think that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go uh, on. yeah. So it's this, <laughs> it's this new band. Uh, I found out about them because of John Mayer. I'm just kidding. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I remember him. Uh, he's, he's no, shout cool. out John Mayer. Singer. John Mayer's a goat. The whole uh, <laughs> when did he start that band? Yeah, when uh, did yeah I heard he started that band in like 2015. <laughs> no, okay, all right. Why did they get a bunch of old guys at the <laughs> All right, fuck you guys. <laughs> okay, so anyone that knows me knows that I am very obsessed with The Grateful Dead. And uh, I've I've been listening on. Some on, might call you a deadhead. <laughs> some might some might call some. me a deadhead. Uh, you know, some some may not. I wouldn't. Uh, call me call me what you want. Uh, anyways. Uh, <laughs> <Whoop. laughs> uh, anyways, so I, I recently heard on a podcast, uh, which was uh, comes a time with Mike Vanoya and Oteil Burbridge, who plays bass in Dead and Company. Mike Vanoya is a New York comic. Shout out those guys and comes a time podcast. Uh, they had Bob Weir on there and Paul Stamets, and uh, Bob was talking about how these days because of his age They're and all, fish all band the traveling. Members, right? <laughs> all right, fuck you. <laughs> oh, yeah, Paul Stamets. He wrote that one song, <laughs> The Yellow yeah, Submarine. Right. All right. Yeah. I hate both you guys. <laughs> they just, all right. These guys always also, fucking. Who is Paul Stamets, by the way? You oh yeah, we haven't touched on Paul Stamets, Stamets at all, guy. which is crazy. We're like an hour oh, into the episode almost. We haven't even touched on Paul Stamets, the fucking OG. I, I don't know who he is. is he, yeah, is Raven he doesn't even know, and we're talking about mushrooms. Wait, do you so not know who Paul talk? Stamets is, the mycologist? Nah, That's what I just said. What, it, dude? Uh, Mike is the scientist. <laughs> You're the the music industry guy. I'm the fucking. John Deere of the You're podcast. The host, so I think that you should. Uh... I'm the, I'm the John Deere of the podcast, dude. I'm all reliable, wow. fucking average American man. Joe Dirt. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm the Joe Dirt of the podcast. <laughs> Micah, would you like to explain who Paul Stamets is, or would you like me to? I mean, you've been talking a lot about him. I think yeah, that you should yeah, talk right. about your friend. Uh, well, I I don't want to you know completely butcher this. Uh, I'm not I'm not a scientist or anything. Uh, but Paul Stamets is a mycologist. I don't know where he is from originally, but he lives up in the northern northwestern part of Oregon, uh, somewhere near Astoria. Does he live in Washington? I don't remember. Anyways, he lives in the Pacific Northwest. He's a PN Dub. Yeah, PN Dub. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, we out here. Uh, I was out there, not anymore. In L.A.? <laughs> I was born and raised out there. <laughs> uh, anyways. To the big city. <laughs> yeah, move to the big city. <laughs> California. Uh, <laughs> California cation. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, so Paul Stamets is a very, very smart and very interesting guy who uh, is a mycologist and... His whole life is dedicated to mushrooms, and uh, mycologist meaning he researches mushrooms. Correct. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Mycology. I guess. I should, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, dude, dude's awesome, man. He he rocks a mushroom hat. It's pretty sick. Wow. Uh, it's literally made out of mushrooms. Yeah. Oh, is it actually? Do- dude, yeah. Oh, I it's thought it was so like sick. fucking. No, no it's, it's like, like a, a it's a sweet like I don't even know how to describe <laughs> the shape of the hat. <laughs> just a fat Amanita. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. So like I don't know where who he, if he made it or if he had someone make make it for him. But uh, it's a it's a pretty sick mushroom hat, and um, he always wears it. It's literally and anytime I see him, he's wearing the mushroom hat, and it's pretty sick. Uh, so does anyway. he make music? What's up? Does he make music? Uh, not that I know of. I don't believe oh, so. But he is okay. a fan this of the Grateful Dead. That's one of it, his favorite bands of all time. I thought he was in the Grateful time. Dead. 
Uh, you thought he was in the Grateful Dead. <laughs> well, yeah. So, like, why was he sitting with Bob Weir? Well, so he they, he was on the podcast uh, of Comes a Time, and actually, him and Bob Weir are are very good friends. And uh, so they were kind of. Uh, <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> well, because Paul Stamets is a, is a big fan of the Grateful Dead, actually. Uh, and so they, he was on the podcast of Comes a Time, and Bob Weir was also a guest on that. And they were just discussing discussing <laughs> discussing mushroom, mushrooms and just the effects. <laughs> <laughs> just the, the effects uh, of them and Bob was Dijon. saying uh, that these days he actually really enjoys mushrooms over LSD which is funny because anyone that knows the Grateful Dead uh, LSD is the choice of drug from the Grateful Dead and kind of that right. whole culture of the Grateful Dead uh, I mean not the yeah, whole the culture whole but, but culture. <laughs> yeah yeah that whole you know the 60s counterculture and everything with acid and uh, as Phil Lesh has said before he considers himself a cosmic cowboy so, wow, uh, that's an awesome title. I'm I, now <laughs> changing my title. You are the music man. Mike is the scientist. I am the cosmic cowboy. Well, so that's the thing. <laughs> I had a friend who I have a friend who works on cell phone towers, and he went out to Montana to go do like a a couple weeks of work, and then you know he came back with fucking cowboy boots on and a cowboy hat he was wearing a tie dye and his eyes were just black as fuck you know because he was eating a lot of 2CB at the time so uh we just called him acid cowboy oh uh, nice cosmic cowboy that's pretty pretty yeah i I read it in phil's book uh which is called searching for the sound uh by phil Phil lesh by the way phil lesh is the bass player of the grateful dead or previous bass player he actually does not play the company i was gonna say yeah he was the oh, original bass play player Denica? from 67 to uh, to or 90, 95 when uh, Jerry died. Isn't it? Isn't it funny how people say they're like going to like they, they're like, oh, I've seen the Grateful Dead like ten times, and you're like, oh yeah, really? Like when? And they were like, oh, you know, like in the past like five years. <laughs> you're like, oh yeah. yeah. So you mean Dead and Company? I mean, I even refer to them as the Dead still. Like like oh when I God. like because I'm actually um, <laughs> shout out shout out the Dead. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go see them on June 11th at Dodger Stadium uh, out nice. in LA, yeah. and uh, will be my first time seeing Dead and Company. But I also still refer to them as the Dead because the majority of the band. Is the the uh, original band members of the Dead? Um, <laughs> wow! So shout out the Dead. Uh, anyways, so back to what I was saying about Bob Weir eating mushrooms. Uh, he actually prefers to eat mushrooms these days over acid because of the long lasting effects of acid and him being, you know, seventy five, seventy six, something like that. Uh, Are you calling Bob old? Uh, I mean, he's not old. He's still in great shape, man. I don't know if you've seen his workout videos on Instagram. Dude, he is in great shape for being. It's actually kind of funny. I'm gonna watch some old dude it's, work out it's on literally, Instagram. It's like watching. Dude, it's my like training program. Cat. It's my training program, dude. Why do you think I'm in such good shape? <laughs> you're, you're an 80 year old man shape. Oh, I just think it's funny because he always he incorporates like yoga and like spirituality into his exercise routine. Oh yeah, he's been like that for wow. a very long time. Like That's since awesome. like I would say the 70s or the 80s. Uh, he's. Do you think it's because of the acid? Probably because of the mushrooms, oh, probably. dude. Yeah, most likely, yeah. Uh, but anyways, he, he says that he you know prefers to eat mushrooms because they don't last as long and he tries to get as much sleep as he can these days. Uh, and uh, So yeah, he's, he's a big fan of the mushrooms and he's even on record says that uh, they put a spring in my step, a little light in my eyes, and about 20 IQ points. And, wow, uh, which is pretty cool. Like Even just a small take. amount of mushrooms just make him feel that way. And uh, yeah. So if you ever uh, if you ever see Bob Weir, shout out Bob Weir. 
Yeah, <laughs> ask him to teach you how to work out like an old man. Um, that's <laughs> awesome, though. Yeah, I definitely, yeah. I definitely understand what he means by that. Um, no, I can completely relate. To, when I heard that, I was like, "That's like exactly the way to describe that." Like, it's right. I don't know. It's just something right. that happens in your brain that just uh, you know makes you feel exactly that way. You know, a little, a little smarter, a little lighter, a little more feathery. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's funny because he I actually agree. eats he eats mushrooms instead of drinking coffee because it just kind of gives him that little like energetic step into the day. And uh, he finds if he drinks coffee, he stays up all night. And uh, so. It's kind of interesting. interesting I wish coffee did that to me. Dude, (laughs) coffee gets me geeked, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You drink coffee at like 9 o'clock at night and still go to bed. Dude, I used to do that when I was like working like a shit ton all the time. Like when I was in like my early 20s and stuff, when I first got into coffee, dude, I would be drinking like 10 cups of coffee a day. And I would just like... Go, I would and now drink you just coffee, eat ten like, mushrooms a day. Yeah, hundred percent, dude. Just, <laughs> every day, it's ten mushrooms. <laughs> it doesn't matter the size or the weight. It's not nah, exactly. Dude. Yeah, dude. I do the five. Yeah, I do the five grand. About- I'm like Mike Tyson, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. People no. talk about three days on, three day off with uh, microdosing, but I just do uh, just every single day. Seems to work <laughs> just for me. Five grams on every day. <laughs> five grams. <laughs> five grams every day. Five days of the week. <laughs> so for, right. Yeah. Instead of day. like a five ounce cup of coffee, you just do. Five Five yeah, grams of hundred, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Five grams of tea. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I just thought that was pretty interesting. And also uh, another fan or, or another artist I'm fan a fan of, uh, Billy Strings. He actually talks about eating mushrooms sometimes, and not necessarily like he doesn't really go super deep into the uh, you know beneficial effects of them, but just like going to shows and stuff and eating mushrooms and like being influenced by like just mushrooms and stuff and like helping him get more acquainted with the music and stuff, I guess, uh, which is actually brings me into another topic that I wanted to talk about. Um, that actually, this was a study in 2021 that, uh, it was a European, it was the European college of neuropsychopharmacology, which is located in Denmark, I believe. Uh, and, uh, they did a, um, uh, a trial or trial, I guess, I don't know, Michael, what would be the, the right word for this? Like a, like a, like a test, but a, uh, yeah, just like an experiment. Yeah. yeah, an experiment, I guess. Uh, and they found that actually mushrooms increase the emotional response to music by around sixty percent. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, which is, yeah, I was like, as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, we, I'm surprised it's You're not like, higher actually. Yeah, <laughs> like if you've ever, if you've ever taken mushrooms, like, yeah. Oh yeah, no, dude. Need a test to tell me that. <laughs> no, exactly, and uh, which is funny because earlier you were kind of talking about like empathy and like and words that like can kind of describe like your trip. There's actually right. uh, a uh, scale that they use called the Geneva Emotional Music Scale, which is wow. uh, nine scales and 45 emotional labels that they use to basically describe, uh, you know, the like the emotional response to music, I guess. And, Sounds uh, fucking boring, dude. I'd be <laughs> so bummed to be, like, on Mushrooms in this room and people grilling me about how I felt about a song. <laughs> I mean, well, it's, so typically I it's, it's afterward. Cool. Oh, yeah. it's afterward, okay. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> they they go through this whole experience because they want to interrupt. Sorry, Mike, as I interrupt How do you feel no, no. right now? Yeah, usually it's just a questionnaire they they fill out either right after the drug is done doing its thing, oh, or maybe okay. a couple of days later even. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but the, that makes more sense. It's it's interesting because the the nine scales of like basically they use like nine words or those are kind of like the scales, and then there's like sub words underneath and stuff, which is the forty five labels. Uh, but those nine scales are wonder, transcendence, tenderness, nostalgia, peacefulness, energy joyful activation, tension, and sadness. 
And so wow. under those nine scales, they kind of have a bunch of other uh, emotional labels that they kind of use to describe whatever this person was feeling. And so during these tests, they played uh, Elger and Elger Enig- Elger's Enigma variations eight and nine, and then Mozart's. Is that classical? Yeah, it's classical music. So then, and then a piece by Mozart, which is Ladat Dominum. I'm butchering the fuck out of these. Uh, yeah, but they basically absolutely. lasted about 10 minutes together that they played just for this little test. Uh, and uh, they found that, and this was a, a test with uh, 50% men, 50% women. And they found that between uh, everyone, that 60, around 60%, uh, it, was, it was an increase in emotional response by around 60%. Uh, and that after all of these trials, they found that psychoactive therapy is actually more effective if music is involved because it just kind of creates something in people that I don't, I guess I don't really know how to explain it. Uh, just kind of creates something in people that, you know, make them more open and willing to. Uh, you know, talk yeah, about what I they guess, need to talk about and bring out their emotions. I guess it is a interesting to, thing to note is um, when I take mushrooms, the, the happiest thing for me to listen to, oddly enough, is literally black metal. Like black metal just soothes wow. my my bones, and it, you, people would think like, oh, it'd be so angry, but it's like it's literally like the most peaceful thing ever. It's I can't I don't even know how to describe it cuz like obviously it just sounds like gnarly and angry, but it sounds like so melodic and peaceful when I'm just like super high on mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty sick, dude. I kind of feel that but more about like psych rock and stuff. Like when people are like really rocking and shit, I'm like, "Fuck, this is sick." And uh, right. I just I think get, it's like, just the I think it's the energy put into the music is like it's yeah. there's such high energy music uh like genres there uh you could really feel the the energy going into the music oh yeah totally no i i completely agree and that's one of the things i love about the grateful dead is because they you know are like almost a they're country folk kind of based but they're also an electric right. band where you know they have really rocking songs and then they also have kind of like cool little like you know softer songs and different you know just it's all types of music and it, it just the energy put into it is is very amazing to, to me right and that's and what, with that's what, at least what strings, i'm super into and yeah, same with, with Billy, Billy Strings. Strings taking mushrooms, like I've noticed when I take mushrooms and practice my banjo, I am much better at playing banjo. Oh, dude, yeah, the progress I make when I play guitar, like if I like microdose or take any amount of either acid or mushrooms, uh, I, I I notice that my playing is like I just progress so much faster than I normally would, and it, right, I, I just feel the connections like actually just easier and. They, they linger yeah, you longer. can just hear the music better. Yeah, exactly. I, for, I should probably shout out that one lady who, I think it was in the 60s, it was her job. Um, I forget exactly the title or like what degree she had, but um, her job was to create playlists for doing psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. Um, oh, she puts wow, a bunch of like Britney Spears and shit on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Britney, sync, Britney Spears Boys. in the 60s. <laughs> the, the 60s version of that. Hell yeah, R. Kelly. <laughs> I think it was mostly classical music, but that's the thing yeah, is that, probably. I mean, they were really trying to help that whole set setting thing. And I think that's something we should probably touch on was like harm reduction and the whole idea of how do you take these right yeah in, you know in, a, in a, an effective and comfortable scenario yeah so that's the thing we touched on a little bit earlier if you find a mushroom on the ground don't eat it yeah. like simply yeah. just don't eat it yeah. um find 
a tr- like, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you how to get drugs. Uh, <laughs> be safe, you know? A harm reduction is real. People get sick and have to get their stomach pumps. People die from taking things that they don't know what it is. If you find a mushroom on the ground, don't eat it. Um, there's plenty of resources out there to educate yourself with um, with drugs and safety when taking drugs. A huge one, believe it or not, is Reddit. Reddit is a wealth of knowledge with anything um, between identifying what you may have or safe amounts to take. Um, with mushrooms, obviously, you don't have to worry too much about the amounts. But if you're gonna, if you're worried about having an enjoyable time, I would definitely consider finding out how much is like a good amount of take to take without like going crazy. Um, and for that, actually, I would suggest Arrowwood. Arrowwood has hundreds and hundreds of user experiences where people say exactly how much they've took, what happened to them when they took it. Um, it's E-R-O-W-I-D, arrowid.com. Or is it dot .com? Dot org. Dot org. Um, is it and it is amazing for anything. It's not just mushrooms. Anything you want to look up on there, it is great. It's a wealth of knowledge. Um, people will tell you how they ingested it, whether it be through tea or dried or whatever, and perfect amounts to take. It's it's awesome. Go through that website if you want to find out more about harm reduction. Um, and then Dance Safe. That's not really for mushrooms, is it? Or what's no, DanceSafe is actually a really cool, like, um, it's just a nonprofit organization that typically is invited to um, concerts, events yeah. and, like, concerts and festivals, which, uh, you know, this is not surprising to most people, but most of the time, people at psychedelic or at, at these music festivals and concerts are taking psychedelic drugs. Yeah. They've been doing this forever. I mean, ever since we really had. Uh, the ability to take psychedelic drugs. People have been taking them at concerts to enhance their, you know, experience. And like Ryan was saying, sixty percent better. Sixty percent better, exactly. So, in a sense, um, every year, you know, all the time, there's always people taking psychedelics, whether it's mushrooms or acid or whatever, at these events. And so, there's an organization of people, just volunteers, that show up at these festivals, at these concerts, with uh, testing reagents and uh, just harm reduction uh, information to, to kind of spread and help out. And uh, a lot of the times, you know, it, it's considered illegal. They're not allowed to technically do it. So um, they used to have booths a lot of the times at festivals and concerts, but now uh, usually they show up in your camp. They will walk around and have a little sign that says, would you like to test your drugs? Um and when you're, you know, hanging out and talking to these people, you could learn a lot about just the, the various, you know, ways to use these drugs and what to do if maybe something bad happens, like your friend is having a tough time. Um, there's actually a really cool organization similar to this in Eugene, Oregon. Um, I think they're called like the, oh gosh, it's like White Angel or something like that. But essentially what it is is uh, a number that you can call if you see or know of someone who is having a bad time on uh, psychedelics. And the people that show up are people who are very experienced in taking psychedelics and experienced in in helping people kind of mitigate some of the bad, you know, uh, feelings that they might be having or experiencing while they're 
tripping. And I think that's something that we should touch on. Without involving the law. That is a very Exactly, without involving the law. You you never want to call the police on someone who is having a bad trip unless they're being a direct, like safety concern yeah like a danger to themselves yeah yeah yeah. because like the last thing you want to do is get someone thrown in jail when maybe a couple hours later they'll be fine you know and we should touch on that that most states it's not illegal to be on a drug yeah it's illegal to have the drug on you yeah unless you're like like if you're gonna get arrested it's gonna you're gonna get arrested for like public nuisance or some shit like you're not gonna get arrested for being high in public unless it's like public and disorderly or something but yeah yeah i mean they'll tack it on but a lot of the times if you end up in the hospital setting right um because of a bad trip that no police are going to be involved it's only going to be um nurses and people that are helping you come down and and Really, all they'll do is just put you in a bed and uh, give you, you know, IV fluids and maybe hook you up to an EKG for your heart. But essentially, there's nothing that they can do because there's nothing physically going on. Someone might think that their body is shutting down, but that's truly just all in their head. Right. Um, We're not suggesting taking an amount of anything that would lead you to be going to the hospital. But anybody can have that. Anybody, you know, tons of people will take psychedelics in bad situations. And I think that some of the bad situations could be just like, you know, trying to party and, and have a, uh, a normal time and it almost take mushrooms like you would be taking alcohol. And I think a lot of the bad experiences come from that. People trying right. to just use them and not really know about. And mixing things too. Mixing. Yeah. yeah the terrible. Yeah. You know, I think we should touch on that is that a lot of people smoke pot, right? It's a very common thing now, especially because these States are allowing it. It's recreationally legal in many States. Cannabis. And so, yeah, absolutely. But it, and it's a great plant and it's an amazing plant. But at the same time, it seems to be the consensus in the community of psychedelic users that uh, people shouldn't smoke cannabis while on a psychedelic unless they've done it before and they've had positive results. A lot of the yeah. times what happens is people will smoke cannabis and then the, the rest of their trip is goes downhill, uh, maybe due to like thought loops, you know, or... Um, you know, just right. the, the lack of awareness and being kind of foggy mind while you're uh, in such a heightened awareness state. Right. I've heard a lot of people say like, oh, yeah, I've had a bad trip on mushrooms, but I was smoking a bunch of weed, too. Yep. It's like, OK, <laughs> then don't yeah. do that. Yeah. Like, well, exactly. it seems so simple to just Even say don't do love. that. But, you know, people, I think, just want to have fun and mix stuff when really it's not advised. Like mushrooms are great by themselves. If you want to do mushrooms, do mushrooms. If you want to smoke weed, smoke weed. I wouldn't advise mixing them ever. But no. Yeah. Some people like it. I guess. Same with alcohol. And I think a lot of the reasons people want to mix them is that when you first ingest a psychedelic of any kind, particularly mushrooms, it feels weird. It's it's kind of anxiety inducing, which is strange. We've been talking about how they can reduce anxiety and whatnot. But really, the beginning of the experience typically is uneasy. And I think people will reach to their vices um, that they're most comfortable with for- to mitigate that initial anxiety. Yeah. yeah Cause exactly. what mushrooms does is it gives you long-term, uh, like relieved anxiety. But yeah, yep. when you first take them, it, cause you're essentially about to alter your perception. Like you're, you know, it can be Many a very anxious, uh, experience at first. So people will be like, Oh, I'll just have a beer to kind of calm that feeling down. And, yeah. uh, you know, alcohol is a depressant. It could put you into a bad headspace. You know? We should know. Actually, exactly. We don't. We don't want to say that because 
Alcohol is called a depressant only due to the fact that it has depresses your heart and yeah, stuff. it's a yeah. central nervous system depressant, yeah. and that's a pharmacological term. Depressant. Right. It doesn't. Alcohol, it doesn't make you depressed. It doesn't yeah. make you depressed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Even oh, though right. I think we could all agree alcohol does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, increase depressive moods. Right. If you yeah. are someone who's you know susceptible. Yeah. I've been, I've been sober from alcohol since the end of December, and I feel fantastic. Yeah, and you, um, <laughs> you think you're better than me? <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I, I would say that. Uh, some might not say that, uh, but I, I would definitely say that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And how uh, have mushrooms influenced you to stay sober, if they have at all? Um, I mean, yeah, they've definitely influenced me to stay sober because. Uh, I don't know. Whenever you know, when after microdosing mushrooms or even macrodosing mushrooms, I just uh, I feel better, and just for a while, like even when I was drinking for a while, like I would drink, and then like the next day I might eat mushrooms or something, and then for like a week I would just be like, I don't want to drink. Like I feel amazing, and uh, yeah, I feel like it really you know, mitigates that It's just, it's just that like a feeling. weird glow that you have for like a while that just makes you feel fantastic, and you feel like you don't. Yeah need to drink or anything like that because for me alcohol is you know i mean it's poison it's like it feels yeah i feel like it really mitigates that feeling of like needing to drink (laughs) yeah but i think we were pretty much like just kind of almost about to wrap it up right like i think we've kind of covered like everything between just like the history uh legality and um you know harm reduction and everything when it comes to mushrooms yeah there's there's pretty much need to know there's one there's one thing I kind of wanted to, to tack in there still on the on the pop culture thing that I didn't talk about. Yeah. If you, if you go ahead. Oh, are, I know what it is. Uh, can I guess? What is it? You're gonna say you're gonna talk about that episode in Super or that episode that scene in Super Troopers where he's in the back of the car and he eats all those mushrooms real quick, right? You're gonna talk about that and he's the like, schnozberries taste like schnozberries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's no. actually not what I was gonna talk about, but that would have been a pretty oh, good. Oh, okay, yeah, because that's uh, honestly that is a hundred percent accurate. Oh, hundred percent, dude. Yeah, <laughs> just licking the window. Hundred <laughs> percent accurate to what mushrooms feel like yeah i <laughs> i agree uh but no what, what i was gonna talk about uh was uh, uh this composer from prague actually who was funny enough was actually interviewed by hamilton morris uh on vice uh on his on, his, on hamilton's pharmacopoeia uh, or whatever it was called when it was on i think it was still called that on vice um but anyway so this, this dude from uh from the czech republic or what, whatever it was and currently is now uh, he was he was born in Prague in 1937 and died in 2004 2005 I can't remember which one, uh, but anyways he is a composer like a classical composer that is just wildly interested uh, and influenced by fungi and uh, all sorts of different kinds and so he grew up basically just uh, foraging with his grandparents and was always in- interested by them and then joined a foraging group. Uh, when he was in his early 20s or something like that. And so basically in 1980, he, or uh, I guess not in his early 20s, I don't know what age he was, but in his 19, in 1980, he was on a mycology expedition outside of Prague and then spotted a mushroom and basically just immediately heard just string music, like of instruments and flutes and what? just orchestral music in his ears. <laughs> and he had, it's funny because he this had uh, schizophrenic. <laughs> well, he had score paper with him, and so he immediately just started writing down what he was hearing, 
and was running around. Dude just walks around with score Dude, yeah, was just just running around the forest with score paper, just looking at different mushrooms, writing down what he was hearing. And by the time he had gotten home that day, he had written an entire symphony based on what he was seeing and hearing with these mushrooms. Dude, this guy is just like in the fifth dimension. He's tapped in. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I haven't even even said his name yet. My bad. Uh, His name is Vaclav Helek. I don't know if it's Halik or Halek. It's H A L E K. Wow. Can you? Can you? Uh, he's a tier one. Can, Dude, tier can you one. recommend oh, yeah. maybe? Can you recommend maybe some of the songs he's composed? Uh, actually, yeah, he has an album out. Uh, it's called uh, Hudebni Atlas Hub. Uh, also, let's well, check or whatever, whatever the language is technically called. Uh, but it, it means musical atlas of mushrooms, and it's forty-two pieces, Dude. which they're all around two minutes or less. Uh, I, I, I've been listening to it recently. It's actually very good. Uh, Dude, that sounds amazing. I'll have to give that a listen. Yeah, it's on it's on YouTube. Uh, if you buy his book, uh, it comes I'm with not the, it comes with scores and comes with a CD of it. Uh, I don't know <laughs> where you can get it because well, I read. don't plan on it. Anyways, hey, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but it's funny. He actually, he wrote. I know we said we weren't going to talk about Amanitas, but he actually wrote three pieces on Amanitas. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's great. <laughs> which is funny, but I couldn't find anything about QNZs or anything like that, yeah. um, or any psilocybin-based mushrooms that he wrote about. Uh, but the pieces that he wrote are very cool. He's actually written. Oh wait, so uh, it was all about Amanitas? Uh, no, it's not all of them. He's actually written almost six thousand pieces of music. Uh, before his death in tw- oh actually he died in 2014 sorry I was wrong in 2005 uh, so he was busy yo dude yeah super busy uh, so if you watch the episode there's an episode on YouTube on uh, a vice of when ha- um, Hamilton interviews him and he actually plays some of the um, some of the pieces on piano and they're fucking really cool uh, that so is, that guy shout out Vaclav Halek he's the shit he's also dead R.I.P. Uh, but yeah, man, his, his pieces are really cool. And then I just want to mention two other things. Uh, I don't, I'm sure you guys have seen these on, um, Instagram, like videos on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. I don't go on Instagram. Of the, yeah, well, whatever. Of maybe on Reddit of the (laughs) dudes, uh, that connect like cables to mushrooms and like make music with mushrooms and shit. Oh yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, dude. So yeah, one of the guys, his name is Maiko Lyko and he's fucking so good, dude. He like plays, he like connects cables to mushrooms and uh, uses the so basically the um, the water and the mushrooms he uses that as electrical resistance and whenever there's a change in resistance it creates a note change and so he hooks them up to synthesizers and basically they do, every like change in in resistance in this mushroom creates you know notes on the synthesizer and then he'll play like yeah. flute and stuff along with it and it's so cool it's the coolest thing so there's that wow, guy who really does cool. that What's his and name? then. Uh, his name is Myco Lyco, M-Y-C-O-L-Y-C-O. And then there's another guy, uh, his name is Tarun Nair. He's from Vancouver, Canada, and he does the same thing. And uh, it's fucking really cool. Like, they're re- two really cool artists. Uh, I would definitely, definitely recommend checking them out if you're interested in hearing that. Yeah, I'll definitely check them out. And uh, that's all I got. Uh all right, uh, so Ryan or Mike, uh, do do either of you have any like crazy experiences you want to share before we get out of here? I mean, you guys probably you guys can start if you'd like. Or... Well, I mean, I feel like I feel like I've already like kind of told like my general experiences. Like, I've never had any like mind blowing experiences necessarily on mushrooms. Just a lot of like personal growth stuff. Uh, yeah, like general use. Um, I can't say I've ever had like any like out of body 
crazy meeting God. Like we'll save that for the acid episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, with with mushrooms though, no, it's been really, um, really just uh, like therapeutic and um, really more relaxing than anything. I think I'd uh, I think I'd uh, just call it relaxing more than anything. I haven't had any like gnarly crazy experiences. Yeah, same. I haven't yeah. really had any crazy like hallucinogenic experiences or meeting God experiences either. It's just always been just self-growth, like we were saying. Sorry, what were you saying, Micah? Oh, no. No, no, no. Um, I I really only had them, like, very big experiences when I was young, and I think it was due to just, like, having an abundance of mushrooms around and not really knowing the right dosages to take and then, mm. you know, ending up with, like, kind of an ego death type of an experience and not really knowing what it meant. Um, sure. Just kind of sitting there in awe. But, you know, weirdly enough, like I stopped eating mushrooms for a long time because of that, because at, when I was first introduced to them, I just ate tons of big doses. And so my reference for the experience of mushrooms was always this like kind of chaotic, um, you know, intense, somewhat scary, um, although very, very interesting trip. So like, I you know, I, I took a break. And now, even when I do eat mushrooms, I typically eat less than a gram of dried yeah. mushrooms and it's due to that because I don't really like the intense experience that can come from taking a lot of mushrooms. It's personally just not something that I see beneficial for myself. Um, sure. And it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely cool. I think that psilocybin, uh, has the ability to really send some people into a completely different headspace. That's, you know, possibly like a different world. Right. And, the breakthrough trip reports that you can read of people taking, you know, five grams in a dark room are very, very cool. Very, very interesting. It's just not something that I personally enjoy. And if I'm, if I'm searching for like a very big experience, mushrooms aren't going to be the ones that I'm going to take for it. Right. Yeah. I, I feel that for sure. Um, I'm probably more of a DMT LSD kind of thing. I was about yeah, to say, absolutely. yeah, definitely. If you're, if you're looking for like answers and that type of stuff, like DMT for sure, if you're trying to have that like meeting God experience, but yeah. the, the experiences I've had on, on mushrooms are, uh, I haven't really taken that many, like, I guess compared to like you guys, like in reality, like the biggest dose I've had is only like a couple grams. Um, I do eventually want to do the five, the five gram, Thing with the with the blindfold, five grams in a dark room. We should uh, do five grams and then jump out of a plane. Dude, fuck down. that. Dude, I That'd feel like your brain sick. is jumping out of a plane if you. <laughs> but no, yeah, dude. I I don't know. Yeah, I I get the just eating a lot of mushrooms and then being kind of afraid of it almost because it's like if you're not ready to face those demons or whatever you have going on in your life, whether they're demons or whatever is going on, uh, eating a lot of mushrooms will get you to face those things. So right, yeah. If you're looking for it's that, it may do more harm than good, but, you know. Right. On that person. Yeah. So we've went a yeah. full 360. We went from mushrooms are the greatest; they'll help you through everything. To they might ruin your life. Great. <laughs> nah, just it kidding. Depends mushrooms on who you are. Because mushrooms have done nothing but good in my life. But uh, you know, some people, some people are different. Yeah. Know yourself. I think that's the the biggest takeaway is just know yourself. Know your, know what is going to affect like your body and your brain. You know yourself better than anyone does. Like if you think that you might have, have like a psychotic episode while on hallucinogenics, don't take them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think that's, that's probably the biggest takeaway out of this is, uh, just be safe. Um, they can help a lot of people. I suggest more people take them. Maybe the world would be a better place. There'd be less, uh, chaos in the world. People would be nicer to each other. 
definitely a lot less selfishness. That would be that would, that's for sure. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, yeah, I think I think we covered it, guys. I think we covered uh, psilocybe cubenzies um, for oh, yeah. for the time being. You know, there's going to be a lot of future developments. Maybe we can cover them in the future when uh, more stuff comes out with like the therapeutic uses and stuff. And maybe they will go from decriminalized to full blown. You could buy them in a store someday, hopefully in the U.S. Dude, that would be fucking sweet. Like that Mac Dre line where he talks about buying uh, buying blunts from the grocery store or whatever, but instead of buying mushrooms. Yeah, you can dude. still do that. Yeah, I mean you can do that now. You can buy blunts from you can buy, buy blunts from the store. Go get your weed from the store. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Anyway, on that note, uh, yeah, this is uh, Drinking Out of Cups podcast. Uh, I, I am Raven. Um, Ryan, you want to say hello just so people remember? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm Ryan. Follow me on Instagram, Rhino118. That's R-Y-N-O-118. Micah, yeah. anything to shout out? Uh, no, nothing to shout out. Just wanted to say, I think this went really good, so I'm happy. Yeah, no, I'm yeah, really I agree. excited. This is a great first first episode. Yeah, um, yeah, follow me on YouTube at Raven2Turnt. Uh, that's R-A-Y-V-Y-N, the number two, turnt, at YouTube. Uh, greatly appreciate it. I post shitty videos. Go watch them. Thanks. I'm in those videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm also in those videos. In the videos. <laughs> they're not shitty. Raven's the go. Yeah, no. And uh, stay tuned for next episode where we're going to talk about beep.